0: Hey guys, welcome to Jay Nash On The Go. I'm Jay Nash, by the way. (laughs) Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yes. So let me just get this right. We have Kristen. Yes. Hello. Hi. And Sharice.
1: Yes. Hello, everyone.
0: Thanks so much for joining me, ladies. I know as a uh, nurse that you guys are so busy and there's so much that's going on. Uh, And thank you again for... Uh, being first responders and you know, through this crisis, this pandemic that we're going through right now, we really appreciate you uh, for taking some time out to join us today.
1: Thank you, thank you for having us.
0: Of course, so let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about um, you actually have a practice. Um, I hydrate, yes, right? we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, let's talk about to tell us exactly what it is, what you guys do, and um, we we'll just jump right in and get to the interview.
1: Okay, good. Chris, you, you want, want to go
2: first? It? Sure. Um, so iHydrate is a collective of me, my mom, and my sister's vision for concierge medicine um, and just a different wellness option that we wanted to be able to offer people in choosing their different health options. So we kind of took a service that was luxury before and dedicated to mostly celebrities and VIPs and made the price point more affordable for everyday people um, so that they're able to get that same nursing assessment and medical care in their home. So we offer IV hydration and vitamin therapy, um, just a quicker and faster way for people to consume vitamins and get the hydration that they need. Nice. So this is a family
1: business. It is. Yes.
0: It is. Mm-hmm. And What idea so,
1: was it? Oh, geez. All oh, of ours, basically. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once the girls finish nursing school, I've been a nurse for 27 years. I'm a nurse practitioner now. And once they finished nursing school, we were like, something has to happen. And this is the idea that, uh, you know, we came up with. The other thing I wanted to point out is that we do a lot of education. So we're doing assessments. We're doing vital signs when we go out to the homes. We're educating them and giving them resources as far as where to go and what to do for their health. Nice. That's
0: a, which is great. Mom, I didn't know you were the mom, honey. You look like you were <laughs> sisters. <laughs> no. I get that a lot. thank you
2: that's, that's our same comment she gets every time yeah
0: yes. I, I could tell i could tell well you know I B as far as is that like a b12 is that's just the vitamins and things like that right yes yes yes, yes. go ahead Mom. well as you know you're on j national the go so trust me i've had that before <laughs> <laughs> Good. I really had to hydrate, you know. I mean, when when you're in a career that you're always gonna go, I'm a mom, you know. I'm like, okay, this is a quarterly thing for me where I just, good. you know, I probably should go more. Maybe you could tell us more about how often we should go. But I know that I've tried it before, and I know that I felt like energized when I left. I know that I felt good. I felt like I had the nutrients and things and the minerals and things that I needed in order for me. Um, to continue on. So how often um, should a person receive these type of treatments?
2: Um. So it's really going to be based on everybody's going to be different. It's going to be based on your own individual diet, hydration, and activity level. Um, A professional athlete who's very, very physical and does a lot of vigorous activity may see us once a week for hydration. Um, Somebody who's maybe not as physical, maybe has a desk job, doesn't move around too, too much, but still isn't drinking enough water or eating the right things, they may see us on a bi-weekly basis or maybe even once a month. So it really just depends on when you need it. Some people use it for maintenance things like regularly and some people just get it once in a blue moon whenever they feel like they need that.
1: For a boost, mainly. um, It's very important because we're not consuming enough. Like you said, you're busy all the time. Most of our clients are on the go, which is how we came up with the concierge side of it. So we have hairdressers that are on their feet 17 hours a day. They're on set. We have people that are in the studio. We have to go to them and be able to give them what they need and educate them at the same time. Our people aren't always in tune to eating the right things or taking the vitamins. We don't trust everything. And so therefore it's important that we're able, you can see me or you can see her, someone that looks like you that's saying vitamin B12 is good, but we need all the beads. That's going to help with your cardiac side. We need you to have vitamin D because we, it takes us a while, 30 minutes on any given day wow absorb the sun and that's what we should have where others are only have to be in the sun fifteen minutes a day. Majority of us are lactose intolerant. So how much milk are we gonna consume to get that vitamin D up? The vitamin D is going to help with everything, cardiac, mental, everything.
0: Um Dr. Jackie from Married to Medicine told me one thing i, I met she was like, a vitamin that you need to have in your cabinet all the time is vitamin D three.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me why.
0: I mean, can you give us a little bit more information? She didn't really go into detail. She was just like, get you some vitamin D3. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're a doctor here.
1: (laughs) Right. So on, for our side, vitamin D3, um, that's the one I was just talking about, where we only get it from sun or sources of dairy, mainly milk. Okay. So none of us are out in the sun 30 minutes a day. In order, so there's a lab value, it needs to go between 20. I mean, I'm sorry, 30 and 100. We like to see you at 50. For me, on the mental health side, it helps with depression, it helps with anxiety, it helps with mood regulation. So that's why I push it for my clients when they come in. I need to know where everyone's vitamin D level is on the mental health side. Kristen, the reason we give it and, and, and push for it. On your medical side,
2: um, I think on the medical side, people mostly request it for immune support because it does have really, really good, strong immune um, supporting components to it. In addition to obviously helping our bones and teeth, you know, fight against osteoporosis. But the major difference I would expound on is really with the mental health, um, which is something that is very underrated and underpaid attention to in our communities. But we do see a big difference with especially I would say in African-American women who are deficient in vitamin D and then they start taking it just in their mood and their overall energy level which Mm -hmm. is I was I was deficient in vitamin D so I know how it feels so I was very interested to see that yeah
0: yeah I, I too was in that situation which is one of the reasons why um she told me to get that d3 when you talk about our people you're specifically saying black and brown
1: yes absolutely absolutely minorities (laughs) Minorities in general we we don't know and it's it's important for all of us to teach the next person and to tell the next person and that's what we do even when we go out with ihydrate we're we're saying to them get some vitamin d make sure you know if you're not able to rest and you know vitamin d helps that it is Mm -hmm. one of the essential vitamins okay and I mean, some of the sources are going to be, you know, your eggs and your fish oil. But at the same time, we want to make sure that if you can take that supplement and get to a mid-level, uh, then that would be good because that's your foundation. That's your base. Anything below that, it just starts working differently for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much for that information. So all of my black and brown people, I mean, of course, everyone. Um, It's just important, you know, for you to get these vitamins, minerals in your body. Um, Is there a difference? Um, I know it seemed as if the IV, it gets to the bloodstream faster. Is that really how it works compared to just a peel?
2: Yes. So it gives you 100% bioavailability. And in other words, that just means that 100% of what's going into your system is, you know, available for consumption by your organ system. Whereas if you're taking in vitamins and water by mouth, it has to pass through the gut and then go through, of course, the small and large intestines and you lose some of that along the way. Um, So the numbers for that are significantly lower, about 30 to 35% of what you're actually ingesting of that vitamin. Right. Um, so even if you're taking your multivitamin once a day, it's possible that you're still deficient in some areas. So mm-hmm. giving these vitamins intravenously just provides, you know, a faster, more efficient route of delivery, which is also why we can't do it every day because you don't right. want to have people to have, you know, too much of a vitamin <laughs> and want to have a safe boundary. yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. So you typically have the same clients. I
0: know you said you worked with, you know, some superstars famous people do you mm-hmm. mind telling us a few people that you've worked with in the past
1: Ooh. yeah um, we don't
0: really- Okay, okay it's confidential that's fine
1: <laughs> we've been on other radio shows and i think <laughs> on our website like some people have posted i've even i have worked with dr jackie she has posted it before so
0: yeah okay. mm-hmm. Nice. I mean,
1: everyone is a superstar to us because we're like, we need to make sure you understand this and that you're. That's happy. very true. Yeah. That's very true. Everybody gets
2: the same service, the same Thank education. Um, we find people who have high blood pressure who didn't even know it, and they appreciate yeah. having that hands-on delivery of education in their homes. Yeah. Yeah. People is, don't like it because really they
1: want. Yeah. It is. It is.
2: <laughs> Sweet. Um.
0: Well, we, you know, we appreciate that information. How do we get more information? How do we, where are you located? What's your Instagram? Give us all of that information as we transition to um, another
2: portion of the interview. Sure. Our Instagram is ihydrate. That's I-H-Y-D-R-A and the number eight. And you can also find us at ihydrate.com. The telephone number, 855-IV-NURSE.
0: I like that. IV-NURSE. This is a family business a family-owned mm-hmm. practice yes I'm That's so happy it. to see you know of course our uh, black and brown sisters you know really yeah. are just in the market to make sure that we're healthy you know it's so important because everybody wants to be busy and now that we have right. this time off like this is <laughs> this is really a downtime for me like I don't even know what to do yes. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think it's the best time for everyone because our schedules were going so fast. Every day was packed, 10 to yeah, 12, yes. 16 hours, and we weren't taking the time, you know, for anything, for prayer, for ourselves, for reflection, for our families, for our spouse, our significant others. And, you know, we have been sat down <laughs> and we're having to reflect and <laughs> redirect our train Like, sit down right now. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's sad that we have to be forced, you know? I mean, that goes back to the side of the mental illness, the mental health side of things. You know, I made a post yesterday, and I said, what are some of the things that you're doing while quarantined to stay sane? You know, what are some things, and I'm finding myself to <laughs> exercise daily, you know? Yeah. I am taking a multivitamin, Good. Um, Good. you know, doing some things with my daughter, but for some people who have mental issues and mental challenges, you know,
1: As a nurse,
0: what
1: kind of advice can you give them? Yeah. So, my my main thing when I'm seeing my patients, because I am seeing some patients online right now, and my main thing is exercise. What you're doing is excellent. Um, You may even want to beef it up, but it gives you time to reflect. Plenty of water, you know, plenty um, of exercise. So, those that have children, this is the most that we've been face to face with our children. And these are our children. I know. I tell about it. <laughs> so I'm telling you to come, become creative because when I grew up, we would have to come up with games. My mother was not buying games. You know, our generation was very different. <laughs> so you had to be creative. You had to come up with games and play with each other. And that's what we're going to have to do now. We're going to have to kind of get back to the basics. So exercise, eating, eating, um, preparing good meals, looking Mm -hmm. up things because now that we have access, look up meals that are going to be good for your body and for your children, because we could sit home for the next 14 days. God knows and eat everything that's not good for us. And in the meantime, we're going to gain weight and it's going to, you know, uh, propel us into that depression that we already had. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my patients are suffering with anxiety. Um, They're alone. So this has really caused uh, great anxiety to heighten. And so what I'm telling them is uh, outside of their medications, you know, to Mm -hmm. start working on projects that they didn't finish. You may have started the book. You may have started the quilt. You may have the puzzles and books and things like that. But if you're purposeful, in your daily routine and things that de escalate you, then you're gonna be okay. And it's gonna take work. Initially you're like, okay, I don't know what to do, but you'll figure it out. That's how great our body is. I mean, God is so good because He made us to start thinking outside the box when we're up against the wall. And that's what's gonna be important at this point.
0: Absolutely great advice. Thank you so much for that. That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yes. You know, we just again this downtime, we don't realize it because in a world where everybody wants to be so busy, you always want to do something. When you're forced to sit down, it really does cause a lot of depression and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of things because you're not accustomed to it. I mean, honestly, when we were a month into this thing, I was like, okay, I'm going crazy. I needed to get out the house, just ride around, you know, (laughs) just to do something because I wasn't used to just sitting down. But I realized in that reflection that, this was so important for me that rest was needed because mm-hmm. you know Jay Nash on the go you need that when you have to come to a halt and you have to reala- realize that we are in a pandemic right now mm-hmm. and that you know you could be around somebody and simply just catch you know this virus it's an eye opener you know it's really it's really an eye opener and and since we're on that um what have you been doing what have you noticed i know as as nurses um what have you noticed that people are de- dealing with? Um, I know there was some disparity. A report came out with, you know, disparity for um, African-Americans in terms of the community in which we're living in um, with the coronavirus. Now Latinos has come out about, you know, the disparity within um, the Latino uh, Latino community. It's so much that's going on. So as a nurse, what are you seeing in, you know, on the front line?
2: Um, I would say that there's definitely a disparity versus minority communities versus non-minority communities in hospitals. Um, it's system-wide, and the system was you know, already a little broken before the okay. crisis even came, and then the crisis came and completely cracked it in half. Um, so definitely as an opposite to how we're functioning here in Atlanta, um, when I was in New York City, there was a lot of differences as far as the healthcare system and just the delivery of care, um, the amount of education given to people, um, mm-hmm. just, it was almost like the influx of people, in addition to the po- politics surrounding supplies and staffing and stuff like that, had kind of almost overwhelmed the entire hospital to the point where people are just doing what they can. Wow. Um, so you were in New
0: York, which is the Epic Center right now, of nineteen. Right.
2: Yes, I was there. I was there for two weeks um, on a travel assignment. It was the greatest experience of my career. It was definitely eye opening and made me appreciative of my profession. Um, But it was also very sad and disheartening to see the state of the healthcare system in our country. Like New York is a part of our country. Um, So these are people that live in states that are next door to me that are receiving. (laughs) substandard care, to be completely honest. Um, And I had just never seen or experienced anything like that before and it's unfortunate and it makes me question where did it all go wrong from the beginning. Um,
1: I I think that's funny and I'll kind of pull that in. She and I, uh, my daughter and I have talked about this forever and I have been an advocate for as long as I've been in healthcare because these disparities didn't start today. They have Mm -hmm. always been, which is why I encourage people to go into the field when, you know, if that's on your heart and that's what you want to do, because we can make a change together. The front line, I'm seeing, you know, all of these young girls and my daughters, did I want them to go? I wanted them to go to get the experience, but I was afraid initially because I knew what they would see. Uh, God kind of worked everything out so that they did go, but I can tell you the disparities now, everyone will see it. It's coming to the top. You know, there's an old saying, "What comes, you know, what's in the washer will come to the top. And that's what has happened. Now, what's going to happen about it, we don't know. But it's unfortunate that we have healthcare providers that don't have the same compassion to take care of you the way they do others that look like them. And yes. this is a fight that I have fought for 20 something years. Because if you don't educate these people, I understand the environment. A lot of them think they're going to go back to the same environment. Yes, they are. But if you are giving them something to understand in layman's terms, and you are blessing them to be able to tell them about the right foods, the exercise and what they can do, then Mm -hmm. that will stick with them, even when they're going back especially Mm -hmm. the younger generation the kids when we're telling them they take that home and they're teaching their caregivers they're teaching their parents they're teaching their grandparents that's what it's all about that's what it's all about right now so these disparities are nothing new it's just that the world is seeing them now
2: absolutely
1: high blood pressure diabetes poor um intake uh, poor quality (laughs) of food all of that it boils down to what has happened all along. So when people yes. say, oh, slavery was so long ago, the mentality continues. And so it's carried on for generation to generation on our side and on their side. So therefore, they think that they can give a substandard care, a standard um, foods, uh, substandard housing, and we have to accept it. We do not have to accept it. So that's why yes. it's important for us to be able to come together and change this.
0: I agree. You know, this really just shows um, how broken the healthcare system really is. And, you know, there was a report that I was reading in terms of uh, why a lot of young people don't really pay uninsured um, individuals who who lack health insurance. It was talking about, um, it says that an average of, uh, let's see, let me pull it back up, 17% of Georgia residents who live in rural areas um, often hear how most Georgians in 159 counties are in those rural areas, but it says that um, they don't have healthcare. (laughs) And a lot of them just can't afford healthcare. Um, It talks about the percentage of people between the ages of 19 and 34 who don't have medical insurance simply because they can't afford it, one, um, two is they just feel like, hey, you know, they make less money, and by spending money on healthcare, you know, it, it's it's just healthcare is so expensive. First of all, I know I I pay like five hundred some dollars for just me and my thirteen year old, and mm. you know, for so long it's like, well, where am I supposed to get this money from? Right. You know, right. So that in itself will pretty much like deter you from wanting to get healthcare because you're thinking of that's more than a car note you know absolutely so is this some of the things that you guys see when you're dealing with patients um do you see a lot of patients that are african-americans who are uninsured
1: absolutely absolutely Absolutely. and it's they have been because they've had to make a choice of paying health care having that taken out of their check because that's high, that's high. Uh, Kristen can tell you it's been I have always said to them, "You have to get health care, you have to get health care. I pay right now three ninety two every two weeks out of one of my patients
2: because yes.
1: my husband and myself, and that 's come down. It used to be four eighty. When I tell you the system not only is health care broken, the whole system is broken mm. because you can look at these other countries. Canada and the other countries where healthcare is free, and a lot of people don't like that. Healthcare is free and it may not be as advanced as ours, but at least we're all starting out on the same footing. You understand? Mm-hmm. And so healthcare is provided for everyone, which is a necessity at this point. We all majority of my patients are suffering and don't have, especially in the rural areas, don't have healthcare and they're having to pay out of pocket for certain things or they just go without.
0: Wow. Mm.
2: Is it the same thing
0: you're saying, uh, Kristen? Um,
2: I, I will say and speak to you know millennials in my generation. I know that we don't tend to see a value in the healthcare system. A lot of us do have careers and jobs as professionals with benefits. Um, but a lot of us opt out of healthcare unless we have some predisposing condition or we have children because we just don't the way that we think about healthcare in this country is as a luxury, um, that's contingent upon you needing it or being able to afford it. And so that's something like if I didn't have a child, I probably wouldn't even opt to get into healthcare, which is why the concierge medicine concept was so groundbreaking here. Um, because people do want to get that nursing assessment that they would, have to go to a physical you know a physician's office for um that they can't afford because they don't have the health care um so yeah i definitely i'm seeing the same things in my generation and also at work at the hospital
0: wow it's 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 a lot to consider um and i'm glad that it's being exposed now you know it's starting to show now everybody can see um, the disparities within the healthcare system and the broken system in itself. Um, Kristen, you said that you were in New York, and um, I can pull up these rates. But um, there's also a survey that came out with nurses that said seven in ten Georgian nurses responding to a survey say that they don't feel safe and equipped to perform their duties at facilities with people who, uh, for individuals who have COVID nineteen. Is that something that you experienced hands on while in New York? Like I said, New York has Way more coronavirus cases and way right. more deaths than any other state. So tell us, um, what have you know? Do you see the lack of supplies, and do you feel as a nurse that uh, you're you're safe, and you're equipped with the necessary tools and things to make sure that you can take care of patients?
2: Um, Yes, great question. That's a hot topic right now. So I was in the emergency department, which is like the front line of the front line of the hospital. So we did have personal protective equipment for us every day, fresh supplies. We had everything that we needed to cover ourselves. However, there were reports of nurses on other floors and admitting units upstairs who were being refused masks or who were, you know, nurses, other nurses were hiding masks from them and withholding personal protective equipment from them. Um, So it is a thing and it is happening in the hospitals. And now it's for multiple reasons too. It's because of supplies and budget and also just kind of the hostility of seeing other healthcare workers come into their city and their workplace to help and kind of being confused about what that means for them. Um, so I personally had the stuff that I needed to put on and do my job and be protected. But there were, we, were, we ran out of a lot of supplies for the patients and stuff that we had to improvise on as far as oxygen supplies. Mm. We ran out of a lot of medications. Um, the entire hospital is congested from front to back. So pharmacy, lab, all the different departments we usually rely on are all tied up and we're, we're having to improvise and make up things to, to kind of compensate for that
0: wow i mean that puts your life in danger as well Mm -hmm. as a nurse Um, absolutely you know what are your thoughts on the fact that you know any of your friends you yourself could potentially um contract this virus simply because they're not providing um the the necessary uh, protective gear for you
2: um i think it is disrespectful not only to of course other people's lives, but to our profession um, to withhold supplies that are supposed to protect us from this virus. And I think it's unfortunate because we are the people that are coming in on the front lines and leaving our families at home and also putting our families at risk of also getting sick and not being able to get the supplies and equipment that we needed. I do think that the country is having and experiencing a shift in that in making sure that nurses are afforded that PPE and people are donating. And it, there is a lot of attention on it right now, but it is still happening in the workplace. And you know it's just unfortunate because nurses are quitting. But some people are not willing to risk their lives and livelihoods yeah. for that. And so now we've lost a valued healthcare worker that could be at the bedside.
0: Is this something that you feel like are you still gonna would will listen would you go back would, i mean <laughs> would you go back to New York going back
2: now <laughs> that's why i laugh um i am I am definitely considering going back at the end of the month um I was in a position to serve and to help. And, you know, that is the greatest thing that we can do with ourselves and our gifts yeah. and skills and talents that we have. Um, so although it is a lot mentally, physically, emotionally, it's just, it is soul food for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you a registered nurse LPN? Can you break those down for me? <laughs> uh, yes. I'm, I'm a registered nurse. So is my sister Sierra. She's a registered nurse. My mom's a nurse practitioner. Um, okay. so basically we have a lot of the autonomy and skill set to, do and make decisions on our own and behalf, independently for our patients, because it is very busy in the hospital and you don't always have a doctor right by your side to help you make decisions. Um, So yeah, we're able to act independently, of course, under their supervision um, in these high critical areas.
0: What about pregnant women? um, Or have you dealt with any pregnant women who have been diagnosed with um, COVID-19?
2: Um, I haven't personally dealt with any pregnant women that have come into the ER. They get sent straight to the labor and delivery triage, but I know my sister has dealt with that. Um, And it's just a dual sword with that because you have to deal with the respiratory care and then also the care of the baby and the obstetrics care. Um, So these women are definitely critical, and you have to pay very close attention to what's going on with them respiratory and cardiac-wise.
0: Nice. Mom, how proud are you of your daughter's? Oh, forget about it. So
1: proud, so proud. And not everyone knows the story, but Kristen was at Spelman, and Sierra was at LSU. Kristen was going to be a doctor. Sierra was going to be a um, uh, uh, therapist, a um, uh, physical therapist, I'm sorry. And they were in their programs, and I thought, okay, this is six to ten years. And I'm thinking to myself, who is going to take care of you all this time? But what I have to say yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that you have
1: to think about what makes sense right now, what's going to happen later on. And neither one of them, they were like, okay, I can we're hear some not sure. I'm, I'm sorry,
0: there's some feedback going. Oh,
1: can you use like, feedback? Sorry about that. Literally, I had to say to them, okay, let's decide. I pulled both of them from where they were and have them apply for a two-year degree, and then move on to a four-year degree in nursing. And this is how they have come to where they are now. So proud, absolutely, absolutely proud of them. Proud,
0: yes. As you should. Yes, (laughs) yes.
1: And when they were on the front lines, when they left, I have a mother-in-law, a husband, one of the um, grandsons that I have, uh, one of my girl's babies, and. My husband and myself—all of us were sick, and my husband mm-hmm. ended up going into the hospital, you know, with this. So we were all kind of fighting on each side. It was—it's been mm-hmm. a long journey for the last six weeks.
0: Wow. And they were
1: concerned about him, and you know, it—it it was just only by the grace of God, I tell you. It has been a long journey. Which is why it's important that we get the story out, that people understand about, you know, the symptoms when the girls were on the front line. Sometimes they were able to identify symptoms that we had spoken about here prior to leaving, such as not being able to smell or not being able to taste. Mm -hmm. That one of them picked up on a, a, a patient that was in the ER that was getting ready to be sent home. And she was the one that asked in this assessment specifically about that. The doctors had already signed to send her home. And when they realized that, that's one of the biggest ones. And then they're like, okay, tested her. She's positive. So it's going to be really important. The things that the girls have learned, the assessment skills, they put that, and they have, they put that on the front line. They've had to advocate even when the doctors didn't want them to. So mm-hmm. when I'm getting the phone calls at home and I'm here, I'm like, yeah, go girl, go, you know, yeah. <laughs> be that advocate be that advocate
0: yeah, be that change you know yeah. that you want to see in in, in health and, yeah. and i believe that all of the nurses and doctors are going to rally together when this thing is over and and really you know push the government to protect them more yet um just be more prepared for such mm-hmm. a, a crisis a pandemic like this you know yeah. how do we prepare for the for the next pendant? How do we prepare for those type of things? And because you're on the front line, you get a chance to see things um, you know, a whole lot faster because it seemed like the symptoms have started to change. It went from CDC saying headaches, to don't wear masks, <laughs> to down it traps, staying social distance six feet, down it's eight feet and you can get it on your shirt. It's like, what are we supposed to believe here? Yes, yes What absolutely. are some of the symptoms?
1: Well, some of the symptoms that we have seen, like, are it, some of the symptoms that are not as pronounced or are not in everyone, increased heart rate, especially for the little ones. Um, we're seeing that the little ones, it's bypassing, their system is set up differently. So it's bypassing, and thank God they're not getting as ill, but you're going to see a GI. They may have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, increased heart rates um, in, in a higher temp. Where in our adults, I'm seeing lower grade temps. So I know that CDC initially said 100.8, but when I was at work, if someone would come in, I'm saying, Oh, you're 99? No, let's get this stripped out. And I think the problem has been a lot of non clinical people in charge have um, voiced their opinion, but they're not on the front line. And if you're not on the front line and you're not there, you really don't know. We're seeing, some of the symptoms, I, I think Kristen, you can tell us a lot more, but body aches, headaches, low grade temp, um, mm-hmm. coughing. Uh, and cough was never one for us at all. Not for me, but for my mother in law, who's a little bit older. So mm-hmm. they vary.
2: Okay, absolutely. It's a strange kind of um, virus. We're seeing a host of different symptoms um, in adults. A- fever, I would say they're getting the fever, but it is a low grade temp. And then just the dry cough. And some of them are who are in the more of the middle phase of the disease that are having respiratory issues. It's the, you know, of course, the increased respirations and the, the increased need for oxygen that seems to be out of nowhere. People who have no respiratory issues or history or conditions are now having to be on high amounts of oxygen to maintain their oxygen saturations and, you know, be able to breathe and, get perfusion to their organ system. So that's been the most, I would say pronounced thing to me for people who are progressing in the disease, is just the rapid shift from being okay to being in respiratory distress and then possibly going into respiratory failure.
0: Mm, Yeah, something to consider. before we, I let you go, I know my stepfather has been in the hospital for about a week and a half fighting COVID-19 um, with, yeah, he's he has pre-existing conditions as well, um, diabetes, hypertension. He goes to dialysis, which that's probably how he called it. And, you know, he's he's such a tough fighter, you know, he, he's fighting this. But um, how important is it for um, African-Americans who have underlying conditions to stay at home? and don't leave because this is something that we told him and it's like well we just got to get out of this house going back to the mental issues things like that because they can't sit down it's like this is real and I don't really think a lot of um, us we were taking this um, really serious at the beginning you know with black people can't get it and you know a whole (laughs) lot of this and that but how important is it um for African Americans, one with underlying conditions, and two, just to believe that this virus is real.
2: Um I would say the kind of the turning point for me mentally is when I had a 31-year-old in the ER, young, no significant pre-existing conditions, but she could not breathe. And she was COVID positive and she was like, I'm pretty healthy. I don't have anything major, like I don't have cancer. I don't have anything like that, any immune issues? Um, Why is this making me so sick? And why am I not able to breathe like this? And this is a young woman, um, not that much older than me. And she's not able to catch her breath or properly oxygenate herself. So with that, I was, you know, I took into account like this virus is deadly. It's non-discriminating and it Mm -hmm. will eat you alive. Mm -hmm. Um, So people who do have underlying conditions or people who just don't know how serious this is, It is killing and affecting people that are younger. It's not just an old person's disease. I have seen many young people intubated, um, which Mm -hmm. is when they put a tube down your throat, you have to be connected to a ventilator to breathe for you because just their immune system's response to this virus, it's almost like Russian roulette. You don't know how it's going to affect you until you get it and who really wants to play with your life or somebody else's life like that. Yeah.
1: Right, right. So and I think that one of the things is the messages have been so mixed and um, that we have to inform us. I when, when I went out to the grocery store a couple days there's ago, little, I'm stopping my young people and they're like, okay, mom, can you hear me? I'm stopping my young people. Is that better?
0: Yeah, much better. Them. Much better. They,
1: um, to say you have to wear a mask. So I don't care if, if you feel like you have to go out, don yourself with a mask, use gloves, you know, make sure you have hand sanitizer Or while you're out and come home and clean. Take your clothes off, wipe your bags down. Those are steps that you're going to have to take you know, to keep yourself and your family free of these the germs and things like that. I think that's really important. And one of the things, Jay, I wanted to ask you, like, it's so important, and I'm not sure how we can do this, but testing is imperative. Yeah. I cannot even get a test at this point. I've called labs and owners of labs that I know, and they're saying, oh, you no, know, the government is buying this test up. So yeah. I do not feel that it is good for people to go back to work if they've tested positive in the past, such as myself, without a retest. And unless you fall under certain guidelines, they're not testing you again. So for us, I think it's important that we, we try to come together to get some resources. That Because in all honesty, community nursing is just that. We should be going zip code to zip code, testing yes. seeing who needs what and what can happen. And that's where we wanted iHydrate to kind of step in because we're already concierge. We know what to do. We would mm-hmm. be willing to do that, but we can't even find tests. So wow. this
0: is, you know, I know. I know. So maybe even with as your- a nurse, I think that would be a great idea. You know, because everyone we have asymptomatic people, oh, and yes. and here's the thing: they could be passing it and not even know. That's so so when you're talking about reopening, you know, Georgia or America, you have to take into consideration that there's one asymptomatic people who don't even know that they have it or have had it, you don't know, you know, we, I think that's where we need to start at. And I, and I, and I just saw that, um, read that, uh, the test for asymptomatic people is going to be delayed. So if, if you can't get the test and you're a nurse, I sure can't get the test. <laughs> to find it. You know, it's what, what do we need to do? Because we, we, we really have to, first of all, there needs to be a cure. And in order for us to get there, we just need, there's a lot of, steps that we're just really a little bit behind to me um when it comes to uh america just for the free world how do i just it's unbelievable how the free world could just be so just this right here makes us look bad really bad yeah it it makes us look bad i just Mm -hmm. i I mean i'm really at a loss of words i mean maybe that's some ideas i definitely think since, since um i hydrate is already um, you know, a concierge, it would make sense for them to start, you know, contracting um, smaller entities that are in nurses that are in this business. You know, if you can send a, and contract them to go to New York to support, you can contract them to start testing services instead of having to do drive through at CD. I call my listen, I call my doctor and was like, hey, my physician, can I please, you know, I want to be tested? And they're like, um, no, do you have this type of symptoms? Why do I have yeah. to have all of right. this in order for me to get a test?
1: Right. Yeah. And What's it's, a, it's a possible. I can write for you to have a testing. So where am I going to send you? Right. So this has been the frustration, and I've been trying to get it out there because Yes, they want to reopen. They're thinking on that side, economics, and, you know, we need to get this system. But I'm thinking about lives. 30,000 lives should have never been lost.
0: Oh, my god! In a
1: good month, we don't want to lose one patient. 30,000? I can't imagine. So yeah. it's going to be important that those, I will tell you that Mayor Keisha, I was so proud from my sick bed when my husband was in the hospital, so proud of what she put out there to say, well, hold on, I'm shutting this down now. And yeah. she was the only one that responded that way. And I was so proud. Someone was telling her like, and she listened. They're not listening. You understand? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't can't point fingers at this point because we don't want to lose any more lives. We want to yeah. help. And so if we can get the test, if we can start doing something like that, um, I've reached out. I will tell you, I spoke with um, epidemiologists, two of them at Fulton County. I called CDC. I have called everywhere to say, I don't approve my patients that have been COVID positive to go back to work, nor myself until we're retested. And they're saying, call the hotline. No, we don't meet that criteria. So what can we do? They love the idea, but everyone's hands are tied right now. That's what I yeah. need to just figure out, how to untie our hands so we can get out there and help.
0: I think that's a great idea. I think you please keep pushing for that yes. to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you got to get down to the city officials, because, you know, I, it it only makes sense to me. It it, it right. shouldn't necessarily just be people who have already, like people who should be retested again. And if they're just released from the hospital and, you know, who's to say that this, this virus can't come back? Like, right. Exactly. Like, It's so much information. It's I just really feel like people just don't even know what it is. I mean, every day it's something different. Right. And, you know, the American people are just kind of jumbled, you know, at what what are we going to do here and how we're going to maintain. Well, I appreciate you ladies for taking some time out to chat with me, of course, on Nash on the Go, my podcast, which I'm supposed to be on the go, but I'm in house right now. (laughs) So, which is a good thing. But I appreciate you for really taking some time out. Again, give us your website. Site, your Instagram information, your phone number, and because you're a concierge, would you still come out although we are dealing with COVID-19?
1: Yes, yes, we, we are using our mask. we're using, uh, you know, aseptic techniques still um, to, to do what we need to do. Uh, okay. Someone still has to take care of the patients, you know, we, this, we still have to, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what's your website again?
1: Can you hear? So it's ihydrate. Dot.com, okay. okay, and our number is eight five five IV nurse.
0: There she goes. Sorry, my <laughs> sound <laughs> dropped off. No oh. problem. Um, your Instagram, you know, everybody say
2: on Instagram, on the gram. Um, and my Instagram is the IV underscore nurse. All
0: right, everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Before I leave, I just wanna say a few things uh, about all of our frontline workers. You know, when when we get on the plane, um, usually the uh, flight attendants let us know who um, our military officials who are on the plane and hey, give them a round of applause for servicing the country. But This is a time that I wanna take to say that, you know, please thank all your healthcare providers, your healthcare workers that are out there on the frontline and pharmacies at the grocery store, take out restaurants, you know, gas stations. All of these people are so important because they're putting their lives on the line for us every day and putting their lives at risk for their family members. Um, to make sure they provide for us. Again, thank you so much, Chris, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much, Ms. Charissa, um, for coming on today to talk about these different um, things, these disparities, things that are affecting our community specifically, because we, it is our community, we are Black, and we have to make sure that we are providing that information that we need for us, so therefore we can just go out and be the best that we can be. So thank you again, everybody, thank and make sure, thank you, Brian, for producing the podcast today. Yeah. I appreciate it. And of course, you can always follow me at I am Jay Nash. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you.